Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Land Grant Holy Land's Ohio State historian, Jim Baird, to discuss the history of the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. Earlier this week, we released the fourth episode of Jim's podcast series, I Want to Go Back, in which he chronicles perhaps the most important game in the series' history, at least from Ohio State's perspective. Jim and I talk about that and then spin things forward and discuss the different approaches the last three full-time OSU coaches have taken to the game. Jim is a wealth of knowledge and a diehard Buckeye fan, so there's no better way to ramp up Rivalry Week than getting into some history like nerds do. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Jim Baird. All right, we are joined again by Land Grant Holy Land's resident Ohio State football historian, Jim Baird. Jim, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Matt, I'm great. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, and it's Michigan week. I'm, I'm ready for it, and I know you are too. Yeah, it is 9.07 p.m. as we were recording, and Michigan still sucks, just to make sure that that is official <laughs> and on the record. Um, to, so for, before we get into the stuff that we want to talk about, um, you have a podcast uh, in this very feed called I Want to Go Back. Your latest episode um, that uh, is, was just recently released by the time you hear this podcast um, actually focuses on a, a pretty interesting bit of Ohio State history that, if I if I remember correctly, um, involves some connections to Michigan as well, right? That's exactly right. Uh, and, I mean, tracking back to sort of the, the way, way back machine, uh, 100 years ago, Ohio State uh, beat Michigan for the first time. And the, the podcast episode is about that game, but it's also about the broader context around that game, uh, in particular World War One. Uh, that um, uh, with uh, OSU players going off to the war uh, and coming back, they essentially came up against a, uh, a Michigan program that really uh, wasn't prepared to playing an OSU team of, of that caliber. Uh, so it's, uh, it's all about the, how World War I impacted uh, Ohio State and how it impacted uh, the OSU football program and the Ohio State-Michigan series. And really, I mean, I... I... Uh, as you're talking about this, I'm scrolling through Winsipedia, if you uh, are unfamiliar with that site, W-I-N-S-I-P-E-D-I-A, and it chronicles the records of every single college football team, um, and it, I'm trying to go back and find Ohio State's history with Michigan, but I would imagine that while that's not necessarily the exact line of demarcation when Ohio State started to become better than Michigan, so to speak, I would imagine that that probably is a pretty distinct turning point as to when things started to become a little bit more balanced since they had played a dozen or so times before that and all had either been wins by Michigan or ties. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And it that that period sort of around World War One and that, uh, that 1919 game in particular when Ohio State played and beat Michigan for the first time, that is kind of the turning point. Uh, the 1919 game was the first time uh, that both Ohio State, Michigan at full strength as Big Ten opponents uh, matched up for the first time. Uh, and OSU walked away with a, with a 13-3 victory on the strength of uh, two-time All-American and then senior Chick Harley. Uh, running, running over the Wolverines in the second half of that game. So uh, prior to that game, Ohio State 
uh, was really bad, right? I know uh, uh, myself and you, Matt, and I know a lot of the listeners can remember the uh, the Cooper years. Uh, <laughs> well, the, well, the Cooper years kind of looked like a little bit of a walk in the park then compared to sort of Ohio State's record against Michigan before that 1919 game. Ohio State was 0-13-2 leading into uh, leading into 1919. Uh, but uh, there was a there was a gap in play from uh, I think it was 1913 to 1917. The game was not played uh, because Michigan was was not in the um, uh, the Western Conference, which became the Big Ten Conference. Uh, and so there was a gap uh, in Ohio State playing Michigan. And over those five years, uh, particularly the 1916-1917 season, Ohio State's program took off. And that was uh, 1916 uh, was the first year that Chick Harley was eligible to play, and he essentially came out uh, with uh, with all guns ablazing uh, under coach uh, John Wills. And the Ohio State program won two back-to-back Big Ten championships, 1916-1917. And then really the 1918 season was kind of wiped out uh, because of World War I. Uh, all the teams playing weren't at full strength because everybody was off uh, on the front lines of that war effort. So when 1919 came back around, again, the OSU program had uh, recently won two, two Big Ten titles and uh, were squaring off against Michigan, who has, was used to kicking Ohio State around but would do so no more. Yeah, and as you, as you mentioned, that was the first time in 1919 when both teams when they finally started playing, that they were both Big Ten conference rivals at that point. And on Saturday, immediately after the Penn State game, I published something that just had a quick set of facts uh, about the rivalry. And since that point, those 100 games since then, Ohio State is 50-46-4 and against Michigan uh, in Big Ten conference games. So that really was the turning point. I mean, that Ohio State does not have a winning record overall against Michigan. They're 50-58-6. and um, in the record, but since that 1919 game, when both teams officially became members of the Big Ten Conference, they are four games again above 500, which is pretty incredible considering there were still fairly long stretches at that point when they did lose. Um, they lost six games in a row in the 20s, uh, and and they lost six games and tied one in the 40s and into the 50s. So the fact that Ohio State is now four games above 500 in Big Ten Conference games says a lot about the recent dominance of Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer in this series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, as you said, it actually coming into uh, this Saturday's game, it is uh, Ohio State is on a uh, seven-game winning streak against the Wolverines. That is tied for the longest winning streak in the series that the Buckeyes have ever had against Michigan. So we are really living through uh, an era right now of unprecedented OSU dominance over Michigan uh, in the series. And if it turned in 1919, right, when uh, the Mm -hmm. two teams were sort of matching up at full strength for the first time, if the series turned then, it's really accelerated now. Uh, Again, this is this is sort of an outlier in terms of in terms of domination from from the OSU side. Well, yeah, because that that seven game win streak, uh, like you said, is tied for the longest that Ohio State has ever had in this series. But that is tied with the 2004 to through 2010 win streak. So it's really 14 out of 15 in that. 2011 game was against an interim head coach, which of course it still counts. Um, but the last time that the Wolverines beat Ohio State when they had a full time head coach 
was 2003. So it really is remarkable for those of us that grew up in the John Cooper days to think about just how dominant Ohio State has been since Jim Tressel came uh, and took over the program. And like we said, if 1919 was a huge turning point in Ohio State's favor, I would have to think that 2001 was as significant, if not even more significant, of a turning point when it comes to this rivalry. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Uh, and and again, I, I think to appreciate 2000, uh, what happened in 2001 when uh, when Jim Tressel took over, you have to go back, of course, uh, to the John Cooper years before. Right. To get a to get an appreciation of the sense of the program. I think we've all seen seen that graphic of, of John Cooper's record against Michigan two ten and one. And then really, not you, to had, men- you had to mention it. Jim, I had to thank mention you. it. We had. Yeah. Hey, we we're just trying to trying yeah. to be trying to be forthright about it. And of course, if that wasn't bad enough, the cherry on top of, is the the three and eight bowl game record, right? So, <sighs> within we we all have that lived experience. And so when Jim Tressel comes onto the scene uh, in two thousand one, and he's introduced at halftime of the Ohio State Michigan basketball game, and says that uh, you know folks are going to be proud. Uh, of the team in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then 310 days later, Ohio State walks out with a 26-20 win. That sort of changed everything. Trestle went 9-1 and uh, against the Wolverines. Urban Meyer, of course, 7-0. and uh, You know, and that's, as, as, we, as we know as Buckeye fans, this defines your legacy as an OSU coach, right? If, you, if you're Urban Meyer and you go 7-0 and against the Wolverines, you open up a, a pint house in Dublin if you're John Cooper and you go two ten and one, well, you know that that defines your legacy. They're looking back at the the Cooper era with so many talented players, you know that his his legacy, his his black mark is is always those games. So uh, the the last three coaches have really set the trajectory uh, of the rivalry for what we know know it is today. Um, and and for recruits too. I mean, you think back the the recent domination. If you're a if you're a 16, 17-year-old looking at Ohio State, looking at Michigan, uh, boy, I mean, Ohio State's essentially dominated throughout the course of your lifetime. So this is a this is a recent domination that, of course, uh, keeps giving back into the lifeblood of the program as well. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things that's interesting. While we, a lot of Ohio State fans, especially younger ones, think of the Cooper era as this monumental failure. Those of us that lived through it. I think I, at least for me personally, I think of it as something not as a failure, but I mean, it it was a failure, but that's not the first thing that comes to mind. It, it's disappointment because those teams were so good. He was an incredible recruiter. Um, he's a college football hall of famer. Like John Cooper is a, in the college football hall of fame as a head coach, both at Ohio state and Arizona state. And he brought Ohio state's talent and on-field ability and recruiting to a new level that I don't know that John, that Jim Tressel would have been able to pick up so quickly had John Cooper not laid the groundwork for that. The, if you think about the all the NFL players that came out of the John Cooper era, it's pretty remarkable. Um, but it was disappointing because at the end of the season, whether it was that Michigan or the bowl games, those were usually games that they lost despite being heavy favorites. So while there is plenty to be upset about and disappointed about and look back on very angrily about the John Cooper era, there is still a lot of good that came out of his tenure in Columbus. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I mean, as you said, it was a it was star studded Ohio State rosters, and and John Cooper really, uh, you know, built a tremendous sort of program and, and foundation. He could just never solve that uh, that puzzle as it related to to beating Michigan. Uh, whereas Jim Tressel, he took that foundation and uh, put that focus on the game. Uh, Urban Meyer did the exact same thing. Uh, those two coaches sort of lived, breathed the game and uh, were able to not only take that sort of infrastructure and uh, building of a powerhouse that Cooper had, but turn that elite talent into a team that would regularly uh, uh, not only expect to beat Michigan, but deliver. What do you think, looking back at these three head coaches, and we'll learn a lot more about Ryan Day this week probably, but in the future as well, but looking back at Cooper, Tressel, and Meyer, what do you think it was that differentiated them from each other in how they approached this game and this rivalry specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think for uh, I think for uh, Urban Meyer and, and Jim Tressel, I mean, both of both of these coaches uh, lived and breathed Ohio. Uh, they they understood the significance of the rivalry. Uh, they, they got it from the outset. And I think it's, you know, whether it's in a, um, uh, you know, all of us in our day jobs, if you're, uh, sort of promoted to a position and the, the person before you was sort of, you know, fired or dismissed for a certain reason, well, you're going to make sure that you're not fired or dismissed for that same reason. Right. So when Tressel comes in huh, and he sees you. Cooper going out the door, uh, because he had an unsuccessful record against Michigan in the bowl games, well, one, Tressel's an Ohio guy. He gets it. He gets the importance of the rivalry. Uh, and two, he's going to, you know, as if he wasn't going to focus on it already, he's going to zoom in even more to make sure that his team is is living and breathing and understanding the importance of that rivalry, focusing on it every day uh, from from August, uh, August two a days uh, on through uh, leading into the to November game day. And I think uh, both Tressel and Urban brought that brought that same intensity, but it wasn't. Of course, you can't look at this in a vacuum. It was also the case too that uh, uh, Michigan Michigan had some lean years uh, uh, with uh, uh, Urban when they were going up against Urban Meyer and, Meyer and Tressel. There were a lot of coaches that didn't work out. You know, Brady Hoke. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure what he's doing now, but you know, there's uh, <laughs> when you're you've got two elite coaches at Ohio State. And you've got also Rands at, at Michigan uh, during that time. So uh, there was I, I think it was a, a mix of, of different elements there. But uh, I do think it's, uh, you know, a testament to both uh, Tressel and Myers intensity and understanding the importance of the game and not treating it like just another game, which um, I think uh, uh, was more of Coach Cooper's philosophy. Yeah, and I think that you're, you're absolutely right in terms of the coaching opposition for Cooper being much better than it was against uh, Tressel and especially Urban Meyer. I mean, Cooper's tenure started in the last few years of Bo Schembechler at at Michigan. Then you had Gary Moeller, who was only there for four or five seasons, but was incredibly successful, especially in his first couple years, had an incident that had that was off an off field incident that involved being publicly intoxicated and, you know, throwing a punch at a police officer or something um, that got him fired. And that brought in Lloyd Carr, who obviously was one of the most successful coaches in Michigan uh, history, especially modern history. But then when you go into guys like Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke and now Jim Harbaugh, which is always fun to joke about, um, <laughs> the opposition is, is, is much different in terms of 
what Tressel and especially Meyer uh, had to go up against. So um, I think you're right in, in noting that, yes, both Tressel and Urban Meyer were Ohio guys and understood uh, the, the importance of this rivalry. While John Cooper was from Tennessee, he had never coached in Ohio until he got the job at Ohio State. I didn't necessarily understand it maybe as well as, as a lot of uh, Ohio natives would have. But I think you're right. There's a lot that goes into that beyond just Urban Meyer and, and Jim Tressel focused on the rivalry. I think I think it's probably a little deeper than just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would say, too, just sort of, uh, resetting our compass and looking forward to to Ryan Day's uh, first matchup against uh, against Michigan. You know, given the recent success that both uh, Tressel and Urban have had against Michigan, R- Ryan Day's he has is facing an extremely challenging situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, uh, you know, he's the team has looked so great and has performed wonderfully. Ryan Day is an amazing coach. What he's been able to do uh, hasn't missed a beat. If anything, the team's looks like it's accelerated uh, since uh, since uh, Urban's tenure. But the weight of expectations uh, among Ohio State fans, uh, you know, I count myself <laughs> one of them among the most rabid is is entirely unrealistic. We've been we've been living through this dream period uh, over the past over the past almost two decades now of of pretty much total domination by Ohio State. So uh, it's uh, Day has done such an amazing job with the first year of the program, uh, but it, it will be really interesting to see uh, how he handles this weight of expectation how his team performs against Michigan because there's no there's no grading on a curve when you play the Wolverines uh, and any loss particularly given the recent dominance by Ohio State in the series that's going to be tough to swallow yeah and you know common sense would tell you at some point the pendulum has to swing the other direction or at least you know regress to the mean of it being balanced but I don't know that that's true anymore. I, I feel like the advancements that the Ohio State program has made, while the Michigan program has kind of stayed neutral, might have led it to the fact that this is what we're seeing here when they're hoping for a 10-2 and season. 9-3, and 10-2, and maybe the occasional 11-1 and might be the ceiling for Michigan and, and maybe spoiling Ohio State's chances at a national championship, which I don't think is actually even on the table this year because I think Ohio State will still make the playoffs if they win the Big Ten, even if they lose to Michigan. But I, I just don't know that the way that college football is structured and the way that Michigan approaches college football these days, it is possible for them to get to the same level that Ohio State is playing on. And I think that's probably true to even a lesser degree uh, for Penn State. But I, I just think it, it's more than just the academics, because I think that's a a talking point that is not actually accurate when it comes to the football players at Michigan, but just the, the, the systemic nature of that program is I, at some point they're going to win games in this series, obviously, but I don't know that it's ever going to completely swing back to the point where we see the domination that they had over John Cooper and, and, and the like there anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a great point, Matt. There are these larger systemic uh, things that are going on, whether it's related to recruiting, maybe academics is a factor. Certainly, there's been more uh, coaching uh, turnover uh, at Michigan than Ohio State uh, over the past two decades or so. So, and there's a there's a lot of things going on there that uh, that may make Michigan 
lie on a little bit of a lower trajectory in terms of being a notch or maybe even two notches below your elite level program. So I think that I think that is true. I would I would only uh, just venture to say that uh, there's uh, there is certainly still enough talent, and in any good rivalry, uh, there's always the opportunity for the opponent to come up and bite you and. We have been living in a uh, a historical outlier, which perhaps could largely continue in these trajectories. But I would also think that uh, there uh, there could be some turbulence, and this uh, it's going to be tough for Ryan Day to. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him to be able to replicate the uh, the level of success that both Urban uh, and Trestle have had before him. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but <laughs> well, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a tall task. Well, I mean, at what point does it go from being an outlier to a trend? I mean, 16 out of 18 is a pretty substantive uh, section of a 120 something year series. So, you know, I mean, at some point, it's not just an outlier anymore. It actually is what it is. But uh, I, I, I agree with what you're saying on premise, though. But at some point. When you know you get another year or two, twenty years out of a one hundred and you know what is that one hundred and twenty two year history with breaks in between, that's you know that's that's a pretty good pretty good chunk in terms of percentage. But um, I want to wrap this up, Jim. Do you have a favorite Ohio State Michigan story or memory um, that when you think of this rivalry jumps out to you as being emblematic of what this? rivalry in this series and this game means to both Ohio State fans and Michigan fans as well. Yeah, I mean, I it was it preceded me, but of course the 1968 game, uh Ohio State is up by approximately a million points against the Wolverines okay. uh and Woody Hayes late in the second half attempts a two-point conversion and when asked uh why did he go for two, he said because I couldn't go for three. Uh, I mean, I, I think as as fans uh, of Ohio State, as fans of the rivalry, uh, nothing sort of personifies it more than than that line. Uh, you know, all of us have whatever sort of the the trend line uh, uh, that Ohio State and Michigan are on, even if uh, one team continues to dominate the other and hopefully the Buckeyes continue to do so into the foreseeable future. Uh, it is always going to be uh, uh, a heck of a game. I, I mean, I we we've all lived through Michigan losses before, and uh, it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow. And uh, you know, there's I feel like you know as as far as far as I'm sort of walking the earth in my lifetime, we're still going to be Owen Michigan for the 1990s, right? So <laughs> there's uh, it's uh, it's been it's been sweet. Uh, we've been on a sweet run, uh, and really, you know, what, um, uh, what Woody did and just the great legacy of coaches in these series, Bo, Woody, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a heck of a game and, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're really privileged to be fans of a program that's, uh, that's, that's really been rocking it in recent years. Yeah. I, as speaking as somebody who was a student when Jim Trestle came over, his first season was my junior year at Ohio State, if that tells you how old I am. But it really, really makes a difference when Ohio State wins those games. Um, yeah. So, uh, and real quick, I so that's I've always assumed that that story and some of the other stories about Woody Hayes and, you know, 
running out of gas and having to walk to Toledo because he wouldn't spend any money. I always thought that maybe there was a chance that those were a bit apocrypha. Those are true stories. You, As a historian, we know that those stories are true, or at least the one about the going for three. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a true story. I think it was, uh, I believe it was in the post game, uh, press conference, uh, when he was asked, uh, after the 68 game. So, uh, Woody, uh, Woody knew, Woody knew what he was doing. Um, so, uh, that's a, that is a true story. And, and it only makes me love him even more. So, <laughs> um, thank you, Jim. I, I appreciate that. The, I hope that we can continue this trend and that this outlier becomes, uh, standard operating procedure for this rivalry because it's so much more fun when Ohio State beats the crap out of Michigan. And uh, especially when it comes, you know, against somebody like Jim Harbaugh, who I hope they never, ever, ever fire up in Ann Arbor. Exactly. I, I hope they give him after this game a lifetime contract to continue coaching. It's been a it's been a great run. Uh, here's to hoping it continues. Uh, and always great talking to you, Matt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. And of course, thanks to our own Jim Baird. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Baird. That's the letter J underscore B-A-I-R-D. If you are finding this podcast on the website, don't forget to go to your favorite podcasting app and subscribe so that you get all of the Land Grant Holy Land audio goodness directly downloaded every time it's released. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. And you can find me at BWWMATT. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And go Bucks. And Michigan still sucks.